Hello and welcome to the Nefesh Sesh podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Kathy. Nefesh, which is the title of our show, is an extension of a few of our favorite things that we like to do together as friends. We like to study the Bible together and learn as much as we can about how to become healthier humans so that we can better love the other humans in our lives. We invite you to join us as we learn and practice. The music that you hear in the background is from our friends, the Shira Brothers. You can find their music on Apple Music, Spotify, or Amazon Music. You can also follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Shira Brothers. Welcome back. Today's episode is the second in a series that we're doing on Enneagram types in friendship. And today we're interviewing two Enneagram eights on how they view and interact with friendship in their lives. So if you're an eight or if you love an eight or you think you might be an eight or you think you love an eight, we think this conversation will be really helpful for you. So first we want to review kind of just some basics about eights. Um, So sometimes they're called the boss. Um, which I don't know if they like that or not. I would think they would, but oh, yeah. <laughs> so much. their orientation to time is present. So they spend a lot of time thinking about the present. Um, their passion is lust, which Kathy will explain that a little bit more in a few minutes. And uh, their wings, so the, the types on either side of them are seven and nine. So they typically will lean on their seven or nine. And then their need is to protect themselves. Um, which is kind of based on, you know, their lost childhood message, uh, which is you will not be betrayed. And so when they're in security, you know, they might move more towards like a type two and have the energy of a type two. And in non-security or in stress, they might act more like a type five. So additionally, type eights can display some interesting and fantastic characteristics. Um, They have the most energy of any of the types. And they can also sometimes be the most understood, and especially female type eights. They're independent thinkers and really great leaders, um, but they also can engage in some extreme thinking at times, what we call um, dualistic thinking, where maybe they think they're they're right and others are wrong. Uh, They can display behaviors that make us think they want to be in control of us, but actually they do not want to be in control of us. They just don't want to be controlled. And so type eight children were most likely awarded in their childhood for showing great strength and independence. And they were very uber aware of those who were in power or control. So as Amy mentioned, the type eight's passion is lust. And so lust here can look like anger and or impulsivity for the type eight. And it means intensity. And it, that means their interactions with others can sometimes often be very intense. Anger can cover up their tender side, but don't be fooled by that hard exterior. Type eights can be uh, your best cheerleader. If you're giving 100% and they love you, they will always work to protect you, but they want your energy to be the same as their, as their energy. So type eights will maybe trust about 10 people in their entire lifetime. They're always expecting to be betrayed by others. So they will put others through several tests 
over and over and over again to see if that commitment is there, to see if that integrity is there in that trust. They will walk into a room and they're the intuitive triad. They will walk into the room and they will instantly know the energy of every person in that room. And they expect you to be to, as direct and honest with them as you are with, with them. Did I say that right? Direct or not? <laughs> okay. So interestingly, we talked about the female eights can sometimes be the most understood. So female eights have female hormones that really do a nice service for female type eights because type eight energy, as we talked about, is always high. But female type eights have the female hormones that can kind of bring them down and let them level out a little bit and relax where male type eights don't have that advantage and they will keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And that can sometimes lead to a lot of stress related illnesses for them. So that's a lot. Oh, type eights. They, um, you know, we love them and what's so great about the Enneagram is we can get an inside out view of our people and it just brings so much compassion for others to our relationship. So we have two guests with us today. We have Val, who is a friend of mine that I met through oils and she can tell you a little bit about that. And then she's also, um, she has a podcast herself called Metamorphosis Podcast. So tell us about yourself, Val. Tell us your name, your family situa situation, and tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay. Hey, um, yeah. So my name is Val, Val Petty, and I live in Franklin, Tennessee with my husband and my two kiddos. I've got a almost 11 year old and an almost five year old. And, um, so what I do, it's a mixture. So I'm a wellness advocate with doTERRA oils. Um, I love essential oils and use them for everything. Um, but really my specialty is in helping people drop emotional baggage, um, using essential oils to really remove all the filters that, that people have that they look through that just aren't truth. Um, just really work towards helping people see their value and their worth. I have a podcast with Jennifer Hawkins called Metamorphosis, and I just read a book called Design for Joy that is available on Amazon, shameless plug there. And it's really also about like just moving towards, um, you know, personal growth and, and dealing with your issues in a, in a much healthier way. Yeah, isn't that so cool to say, hey, we're talking to an author. <laughs> <laughs> You're our first author guest. So, you know, it's, it's so funny. Like now these days, it's like, if you write something and then with Amazon, you can self-publish and anyone can be an author. I mean, it's just so cool. No, that's not true, Val. Not anybody can just be an author. <laughs> you totally can. It's interesting. Totally. I know so many female eights that love to write. I don't know if that's, interesting. I, know, I don't know if that's an eight thing or if that's just the, the ones that I know, but I think that's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. So our second guest is a friend of mine, Samantha, and we met, I think, in New York City, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So we met on in college on a missions trip in New York, New York and kind of quickly became friends there uh, out of survival, I think, and then <laughs> stayed friends throughout college. And we led small groups together in college. We, what else did we do? Oh my word, we did a lot. <laughs> we did uh, pep rally routines. We did. Uh, Sam is the best cheer coach that I know. So, um, about that, but okay. So, you can go ahead and tell us a little bit more about <laughs> your situation and kind of what you do. 
Okay, thanks. Yeah, so my name is Samantha and I'm from Maryville, Tennessee. And I currently teach high school English. Um, and I love it a lot. I love to read. I love to just, I love the students that are placed in my class. Um, I am a cheer coach. And I, those were words that I never thought would ever come out of my mouth. Um, and then senior year in college, or junior year in college, we did a pep rally for like, I don't know, homecoming week or something and kind of jump started this idea that, hey, cheerleading, I kind of like the, the stunting aspect, the putting the parts together and then just kind of move from there. And now I coach and I love it. And I also sponsor student council. So I'm involved in like our student government at school. I'm really involved in um, my church. I'm on the women's ministry team, which is really cool because I am by far the youngest person on that team. <laughs> and um, I deal with um, social media on that and kind of public relations and stuff. So um, I guess, oh, and I just literally like this week finished my master's degree. So I'm so excited about that. Um, to be done paying for it and to be done having to spend weekends um, getting stuff together and submitting everything and turning in the stuff needed for my massive research project or whatever. So I guess that's where I'm at right now. Yes, congratulations. Yeah, that's, that's a big exciting. deal. I will yeah. say Sam is one of the most intentional teachers that I know about taking care of students like whole situation whether that, you know, that's outside of school and then following up with them um, once they graduate and, you know, just make and look really looking out for kids, um, even outside of the classroom. So I really admire her for that. Um, she's hey, very special. So, so, um, so can y'all each tell us a little bit about how you found out about the Enneagram and how you kind of settled on identifying as a type eight? Well, for me, um, I had heard about it years ago, and a bunch of my friends had, had done the test, and, you know, we're talking about it all the time, and um, then really, gosh, I guess about three years ago, when Jennifer and I were working through all of our um, personal growth stuff and learning how to use essential oils for emotions specifically, we really kind of started diving into the Enneagram, and I actually, the first time I'm took the test, I mistyped as a two, which I find a lot of women do, um, because we're just in that serving role as moms. And so it's very easy to mistype as a two. And so, but when I read the two description, I was like, huh, this doesn't really fit me very well. Like I don't serve out of like the love of my heart. I serve because nobody else <laughs> do it, you know? Um, and so I was like, this just doesn't feel right. And, you know, I would read on about it and I was like, I don't know, I'm not that nice. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, Elisa, I believe, um, who's also, she's a therapist, she's on our oil team. She said to Jennifer, you know, most women mistype, you know, as twos because of this. And a, lo a lot of them are actually eights. So I went back and read the eight and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like my life was just written out in a, you know, explained in a long, you know, paragraph or whatever. And so I retook it and I was like, oh, now it makes sense. And so I'm definitely an eight. I'm not a two. <laughs> What about you, Sam? Uh, so for me, I actually, um, I guess I really got introduced to the Enneagram last, I guess it's about a year ago, our professional development for teachers, the first week, the literally the first day 
was we took the Enneagram test because the purpose as a faculty, because I kind of wanted to look at as a faculty working together, like, you know, here's your two sevens, eights, whatever, who fits best when you're trying to delegate material, who, like, how can we work together? How do we support someone who is an eight? How do we support someone who is a two? Um, and so we took the test and I kind of very similar to what you were saying about, I did score, my high score was an eight. And then my second high score was a two. And so I read through both of them and very much like you were saying, I read the two and I was like, mm, that's a little too mushy for me. Uh -huh. Like, it's just not like I see myself sometimes in that role, but it's, I guess it's normally because I've, my eight has put myself in that role. And so now I'm trying to figure out what to do. Um, but definitely reading through the eight, I was like, okay, this makes this makes sense. Um, it kind of also makes you question yourself a little bit because reading through some of the, you know, strengths and weaknesses of an eight, I'm like, man, I should really work on that. If that is really, you know, I do identify like that. Maybe that's something I should work on, but it was really cool because after we took the test, we split up into our types and we worked as a group to come up with, and I don't remember all the questions, but it was like, you had to come up with a song that identified like what your type w was and we had to come up with like two or three um, attributes or things that our type needed to be successful and then what were two or three things that we could work on and just kind of different fun stuff but it was very interesting because there's only four of us who were eights in the entire faculty of about a hundred well I don't really know how many of us there are but there's a lot and um, they were all men but me so it was very interesting oh wow yeah, so it was very interesting to see that and to see most of them were in roles that involved administration or coaching um, or something like that. So that was interesting to see kind of where people fit. So I guess that's how I was introduced. And then I just I like reading about it and seeing all the cute Instagram posts. <laughs> so do you feel like that's been valuable at work? I do. I really do. I think, um, you know, for me, seeing some of the people that I work really closely with every day, um, kind of being able to identify a little bit more that, oh, they are especially a two, um, or even some of the other types, like just kind of how I set really high expectations and I'm learning to kind of, it's okay to set really high expectations, but they also have to be realistic for people. Um, and so just kind of learning that balance. And so I do think that has helped, um, at school and just identifying that, like, yeah, this is an area that, you know, I can work in or here's how we can work together. So I, I, I did find that very um, valuable for us. That's great. You said something very interesting, Samantha. Um, <clears throat> you said um, you were talking about your characteristics and you thought, oh, I really should work on these, you know, but you know what? That's for every Enneagram type. And the reason I think that the Enneagram is so powerful is because we can resonate and identify our negative characteristics about ourselves mm -hmm. way easier and sooner than we identify with our positive characteristics. And I think that's just human nature. So, you know, that, and that's, that's the, the personality type of the Enneagram to me is so much more powerful than some of those other ones because it's so fluid. We can work to, you know, go to that two in growth or, you know, I'm a three, so I go to six in growth. You know, we, it's very fluid and we can work towards those growth areas of our lives where the other ones seem to be more static. Well, and I'll just say, I think for like, for a 
Southern woman raised in the South, like we, a lot of people try and work the eight out of us, you know, it's like, you're not really supposed to be in control and powerful and, and asserting your opinion. And now, you know, that never really stopped me, but, (laughs) but it, I do think that like some of the prickliness that an eight can have kind of gets worked out of Southern women. Mm, yeah, I could see that, you know, and I'm just thinking about Samantha being the only female eight in the school building. That's tragic. <laughs> I mean, because I just think about all her qualities that she can bring um, with leadership to that school. And yeah, that's really interesting. It makes me wonder, like, if there's a lot of female eights in the school system, school systems, period. Or if, like Val says, are those eight traits mean, you know, taken away from the eights? Right. And they don't even realize that they're an eight. Yeah. So both of you kind of tell me, and and whichever one can jump in first, what do you consider to be the most important components of your friendships? Like, why is friendship important to you as a type eight? Well, for me, I mean, I, I am mostly extroverted (laughs) and I do need like that connection and that, and that, you know, those friendships, like I I can't exist totally alone, but um, you know, I I definitely do better with, or I've always done better. I've always been friends with a ton of people, been able to work a crowd, but I have a handful of people that I really, really, really like that I will actually share my stuff with. Um, Anyone can tell me their stuff all day long and I'll listen, but you're not going to find out just a whole lot of depth about me unless I really trust you and, and you make my inner circle, you know, so. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Samantha? I would agree a lot with what she said. Um, You know, I think that it's important to find, I, I definitely feel the same way. There's a lot of people that I'm friends with. There's a lot of people that I would go and, you know, hang out with, but there is a select group that I definitely share, I guess, thoughts, feelings are a little more vulnerable with. And I think sometimes it's one of those that I always used to joke about. I had this like neon sign flashing above my head that was like, come tell me your problems. Because I feel (laughs) like, I feel like there's a lot of times where I get told things and I, you know, process and have to share that information, but I definitely don't share it with, I don't share my personal, I don't know, vulnerability with a lot of people. Um, But I, I, I do think Friendship is extremely important, and I definitely lean on that um, a lot, and I truly feel like there's that select group that I can call my friends, and I'm super thankful for that group, and it has changed um, over time, but I also think that even just like reflecting back on as I've grown up, like it's very evident to me that, I mean, I still have friends from like high school, but I have really close friends and really close friends that I work with. And so just to see that evolution of different, you know, friend groups. And as I've got gotten older, I think that um, not what I'm looking for has changed, but a little bit, I just, I guess the situation that I'm in has changed. But I definitely agree. There's not that many people I share my thoughts, concerns with. So that's interesting. So people really trust you as a type eight, but you necessarily don't trust as many people. Wonder why they feel like they can trust you. Either one of these. Solutions. I mean, mm. 
Yeah. I would think so. We, and, and we're not afraid to share them. <laughs> like that. Yes. We got yeah. the answer and we'll tell you what it is. Yeah. Right. Sometimes I have to work on how to phrase it, but for the most part, like, I mean, I'll just, I'll, I'm not afraid to share with you, you know, your concerns or stuff. And yeah, I think absolutely. like what I know about you, Samantha, is that you will, you know, if you love somebody, you will stand up for them and stand in their corner with them if something's going absolutely. on. And I think people really like having eight friends for that reason, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think that people who are eights definitely are always kind of looking like that was saying too for those solutions it's not like just a continuous problem because i cannot live in a continuous problem and so i think really trying to search and find those solutions and know that like we're gonna stand up for you and be there for you i think that's really important too it's a very valid point yeah and honesty if they know they can come to you and you're going to be honest yeah that's that's super important so you each have like a group you said a group of friends that you trust so when you say group you mean like more than two would you say that Val for you and both of you well I mean I have a handful of people that I've accumulated since like you know high school <laughs> like maybe four or five that that I've shared different parts of my life with, life with and they're still and I'm still really close with them but for the most part I'm kind of out of sight, out of mind. Like you can be super, super integral in my life. And then if I, if like college friends and stuff, we moved away, it's like, I still enjoy them. I enjoy seeing them on Facebook, but like, I don't ever talk to them and I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? Um, and not cause I don't really like these people. I did. It's just, you know, it, I feel like it gets lost, but I have this core of like five or six people that through the years I've gotten close to and, and remain close to it. It doesn't matter how long we go without talking. We can always come back together and, you know, have a lot in common. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I'm probably just kind of trying to think in my head, probably five or six. Um, and they kind of span from college and then um, people that I, I work with that I've become really close with. And um, like she said, there's people that I went to college with, even some people I went to high school with that I still, you know, if I see them, we reach out and, you know, talk and we can kind of pick back up. But for the most part, they're not I feel like the, those five or six people are the ones who I share everything with, um, regardless of like what's going on. And sometimes it's kind of one of those within that group of five to six people. Um, I just feel the most comfortable sharing and I don't really share a lot outside of that group. No. So Val, are you an eight with a nine wing or seven wing? Seven wing. Okay. What about you, Samantha? I actually kind of struggled with that a little bit. I think more so a nine, but then sometimes I think a seven, but the part that I think I struggle with the most that makes me align a little bit more with the nine is um, just the idea of trying to like, I guess, avoid things I can't control, which aligns a little bit more with a nine. And so I guess I'm an eight with a nine. Oh, gotcha. Oh, that's great. Two different perspectives. <laughs> yeah. Wings can make a huge difference. Sorry, Amy. No, that's okay. So y'all both talked about um, people. Well, Samantha, you talked about work friends. I just wonder for, and it may not be the same for both of you. Do you feel like you need to have a connection or have friends at work? You know, to does that feel like uh, of high importance to you to be friends with people that you work with, like close friends? For me, it is. Um, and there's just 
there's probably two or three that I would say, like I'm friends with a lot of people I work with, but there's probably two or three that I should really share a lot with. And for me, that's important um, because not only can I talk with them about like what's going on in school or like what I'm struggling with as a teacher, but there are also people that I can share, you know, personal struggles and vulnerability with. And so for me, that's just important to kind of have someone in that building that I can have that those conversations with because just because we're I'm like in the school building doesn't mean the outside world's not knocking at mm-hmm. you. So to just kind of be able to have those people there and really um, the two or three, we have very common interests, whether it's what we teach, what we do. And so I also do a, a Bible study with those women. And so I think that that also helps be a little bit more intentional about connecting with them and the importance of having those friends at work. Yeah, I would, I'm going to ask Val that question too, but I think I already know her answer. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, once again, it's like the people that I completely connect with and have a lot in common with, yes, I will be nice to everybody else, but I won't necessarily, there won't be a connection typically. Um, I have to work hard to make an effort to like extend my boundaries beyond my, you know, little (laughs) circle of people that I totally, you know, trust and, and jive with, but that's been part of what, as, as I've grown and worked through all this, you know, removed a lot of emotional baggage. It's I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I know that there's other people out me that love person out there like me that love personal growth that want to move towards it. And, and so I'm at that place where I'm like, okay, like let's create a community of women that really are all in the same space wanting to move together. And so I can feel myself like the healthier and the healthier I get being more willing to expand my boundaries a little bit. Hmm. That's interesting. So kind of based on your unique personalities, like what are some strengths that you feel like that are unique that you bring to friendship? I know we talked about, you know, kind of being the cheerleader, Uh, we've touched on that a lot. Like, you know, if you really love somebody, you will cheer them on all day long. And I think that's a huge asset of an, of a type eight. What else do you think is special about eights and friendship? I mean, I would say loyalty being a huge, you know, cheerleader. Um, and we're going to tell you what we think, you know, like we're going to be honest, not necessarily in a hurtful way, but I would agree with that. And I also just think like reliability, um, I just think that that is a, you know, I feel like I really, I, I try to be really intentional about if I tell you I'm going to do something or whatever that might be that I'm going to do it or I'm going to try my best to do it. And so I think that reliability is um, a strength, definitely. That goes hand in hand with everything we've been talking about. But um, I wrote down loyalty and reliability. So that worked out well because you took the other one. <laughs> I think that reliability is huge. I mean, you know, do you feel like that's something, you know, you probably feel like that's a way to build trust with somebody else by showing up, you know, when you say you're going to do something. So how does that make you feel like if, if somebody, you, if you make plans and, and they don't hold up, I mean, do you, does that, what does that feel like? They're dead to me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I struggle with that. And I think that kind of goes along a little bit with what I was saying about just like, I have these really high expectations and not that high expectations are bad, but sometimes I really have to like check myself and be like, is this realistic for everybody? 
Like mm -hmm. this is my expectation, but is this realistic for everybody who's not my personality? Mm -hmm. So do you have high expectations for yourself? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. So in Absolutely. turn, you expect that from other people too, because like you show up for other people. So you expect that reciprocal return. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the people that make it into the inner circle of fire, <laughs> they typically return the, the, you know, consistency, reliability. Yeah. They prove themselves over and over and over again. Yeah. That's great. A lot of validity there. Yeah. So if they make it through all your tests, man, they are one <laughs> heck of a friend. <laughs> They're so lucky. <laughs> Top need to do all the screenings for all friends. <laughs> that's right. Uh, okay. So I think those are some really special things. Um, that not a lot of other type, you know, the other types have to work really hard to bring. So on the flip side of that, what do you feel like are some challenges that you've come across um, in relationship? I mean, I would say a mixture of like, I don't know, being quick to criticize or ju just in the sense of like, I, I require authenticity. <laughs> and when it's not there, it's very easy for me to to judge or be critical and or just be done with somebody. And so that is, it's like learning to give people patience and, you know, understanding that not everybody operates the way I do and I can be okay with that. I would agree with that. I actually had a conversation with someone today about how, um, who's also a type eight, by the way, but who I, I, sometimes I need to extend a little bit more grace and a little less force. Mm -hmm. And so I think just, and it kind of goes back to the whole expectations thing. Like there's just some basic things that I, I just personally feel like should be accomplished that aren't always. And so finding that patience, um, to, to work with people and to know that like not everybody is, has those expectations or, um, but also being willing to like understand why maybe they're not meeting those expectations sometimes. And I've had to learn that a lot by being a teacher and just working with students um, and just those reasons why maybe they're not reaching, not necessarily the expectations, but reaching just or saying things or showing up to school or whatever, just kind of being willing to get to know them a little bit more and extend a little bit more grace. So it sounds like you both have really high standards, which could catapult your close people or even people that you're not super close with, but that you're friends with could really catapult them into growth. Yes. If I manage it correctly. Yes. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes back to a little bit what I was saying about having to check myself a little bit and how I respond and you know I, I I want people to grow and I want you know people to have that growth but how I respond mm -hmm. um to those situations well because like it's what you said earlier like we don't want we really don't want control we just want you to behave <laughs> so like we'll you know we'll end up controlling if we have to but like we really don't want control <laughs> Um, let me ask you this. So this is off the script, but I know you both can handle it. So, uh, I'm going to throw it at you. What your other friendships, this close circle that you talk about, 
Um, what Enneagram types are they? Or do you know? Do they know? Yeah, I mean, one of them's a five. One of them's a seven. A three. One of them is a two. Um, so, I mean, I'm kind of all over the place. But then one of my really, really great friends is an eight. So, we kind of, okay. you know, think on the but, same wavelength. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite for sure on some of them. I could probably assume in on, <laughs> um, but I definitely have a cup. I have probably two um, that are eights. And I think um, what I have learned about that is sometimes one of us has to relinquish a little control and you have to figure out what works best. So in a couple of situations, it's like we found our niche within where we work or within what we're doing. So it's like we rely on each other because we know we can rely on each other. But we also know it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this and you're going to do this and it's going to get done. And so I think that's positive. Um, one of my friends is a nine and I love her dearly. Um, and then I, I have one that's a six, which she's um, similar, um, I think at times. And then I'm not sure what the other one is, but I'd probably say two. <laughs> So what does vulnerability look like for you both? Like when you're vulnerable with this close circle of friends, what does that look like for you? Just being honest about how I feel about things like, and not from a, I don't know. It's just really easy, easy to be like the flippant tough girl, you know, but yeah. when it's, when it's more like, no, I'm, I'm struggling and I need, and, and I've gotten much better about owning that. Um, but just being that, that vulnerable about where things aren't working and, you know, like being willing to ask for help. Yeah. So that was hard for you initially before you worked on that. Yeah. I mean, it's just always was like, no, I'm tough. I got it. You know, mm -hmm. I'll just plow through. I'll figure it out. It's that force versus the flow of being like, okay, I can't figure this out. And that's totally okay. It's not like a flaw. Um, I just need some help. Do you think that people look to you as and don't expect you to need help sometimes because you very much so? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So how and does I think that comes? I think that comes too with just us not being vulnerable to a lot of people. So mm -hmm. a lot of people may not always see those, you know, those concerns, those whatever. But to that inner group, that really close group, they see that. Um, but definitely as a whole, I don't, I think people think that eights have it all together. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I like to use the, and I use this a lot of times when I'm teaching, I like to use the, it's, I guess it's my own idea or whatever, but I feel like I'm in like a raft, um, like rafting down the river. And it's just like, sometimes it's just being beat with knives and it's like, airs flying out and I'm sinking but I'm I'm like trying to duct tape the sides and like continuously going so not all not everybody sees that but that inner group does but it's not I, I definitely don't always have it all together at all yeah so even kind of wounded you'll still keep pushing and pushing and pushing forward yeah do you ever just crash not really I don't mean that like of course, like you have your hard times, but like, I'd like in my head, it's like, no, there's always got to be a solution. Like you just have to keep going. Like there's got to be a solution. 
um, what I've learned is that it's not usually that force. Um, there's a much more gentle solution that, 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 I mean, that's why I wrote a whole book about it was basically learning how to like shift this much more gentle God-driven. It's not all in your own power and pushing and force and striving, but I know there's a solution out there and I know things can be fixed. It's just like coming at it from a much more gentle flowing, you know, place, trusting patience. Like it's just a different way of doing it, but there's still a solution. I would agree with that. But I also think for me, there are definitely times where I hit that wall and that I definitely lean heavily on, you know, my really close group of friends. My mom hears about it all the time. Um, but I, I feel like sometimes for me, it's more of like, I just kind of get so anxious in what's happening that when I hit that wall, it's like, I just have to talk through it and figure out like what, sometimes I have to talk myself off the ledge. Um, or just those moments where it's like all piled up and I haven't shown that to other people. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a crier. I'm not a hugger, not a super emotional person. Um, but I, I'm having to learn that that's okay to be that um, and to be that vulnerable with some people. And so for me, I, I definitely agree that there's always a solution and I work really hard to figure that out. But I definitely, probably more recently, um, have definitely crashed a few times. And let me say, like, I don't mean like I never get discouraged or like frustrated or like ready to give up, but it's like, there's always that thing in the back of my head. That's like, no, like there's gotta be a solution that keeps pushing me forward. Yeah. And I wonder too, like if, if Samantha is eight with a nine and Val, you're an eight with a seven, I'm wondering if that is that slight difference there too, hmm. possibly, you know, yeah. um, um, so you two took a spiritual gifts test for us. Um, and so can you each share what your top spiritual gift was? And I say top, just tell us your first one, because I think that's typically your highest score on that survey that we sent you and how you think that plays into your friendships. Mine was wisdom. And I think it just plays in like in that same, um, people tell me they're, stuff and usually I can you know help them navigate not tell them what to do by any stretch they're smart people but at least help them work through their feelings and ask them the questions that need to be asked to kind of pull out the you know like the actual root of the problem like what's actually underneath what you're actually upset about you know um so I think I think probably that's where it plays in with friends um my top one was administration so I guess just kind of like leading um I'm not, I, I don't know. Um, I guess just, I do think a lot of times, um, like outside of my group, I guess I, well, in within my group, but definitely outside of my group, like I do take on those leadership roles. Um, I'm not always the best at delegating. And I think a lot of that comes back to the fact that sometimes I just think if I do it, it gets done. But mine definitely was administration and I just kind of looking at it, I can see, I think those areas, um, and even within my friend group, like there's, you know, just taking initiative with things, um, at times I think kind of lends itself to that. We mentioned at the beginning that female eights are often probably the most misunderstood. So if you had to like, you know, tell your people 
you know, like what's something that you want them to understand about you that you feel like is misunderstood, whether that's like how you show love or what you need, or is there something that you feel like you wish they knew? I will say that for me, I, I do. And I think, I mean, I assume that most people in my like inner group know this, but I, it's hard for me, even within the inner group at times, it's hard to be vulnerable and to express like how I'm truly feeling. That is definitely the group that I do that with, but it is hard at times. And so I think just like we've talked about, like that exterior that we have it all together is not always accurate. And so I think for me, that's a big piece is just that even though sometimes it looks like it's all together, it's really not. And I really appreciate the support of my like really good friends and knowing that I can lean on them when um, things get tough or I just need some help. And for me, I think sometimes with friends, it's just nice for the people who know me really well. Sometimes when I do get to that discouraged or, um, you know, a place where I'm, where I'm struggling. Sometimes I need somebody to help pull it out of me as well. Like what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, because sometimes I just don't know, like I'm just, my, my natural reaction to things is just frustration. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't get angry. I don't get, you know, I don't throw things. I'm not mad. I'm just frustrated because things aren't moving at the pace and the, you know, at the standard that I want them to. Um, which, you know, I've come to realize that like my, my way of doing it isn't necessarily right. Like, you know, things happen in their timing for a reason, but I still get frustrated. So sometimes I just need somebody that knows me really well to help pull the same way I help pull things out of them, like do the same for me so that I can actually pinpoint exactly what it is that's bothering me. Um, cause sometimes I'm just, I don't know. Yeah. So those qualities that you have for problem solving, you'd like for others to use those same problem solving strategies with, with you sometimes. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. So we always ask this at the end of our show, what's something you've done that's been brave or courageous lately? And that can be anything. I mean, cause gosh, one of you just finished your master's and one of you just, <laughs> you know, authored a book. So those don't count. (laughs) Oh gosh, that was going to be my answer. Um. (laughs) No, we already know that. So we have to save that for the end. Mm -hmm. Brave or courageous. Um, I don't know if this quite fits with brave or courageous, but for me, it was this, I guess, a step out in a way. So since um, the school that I work at has three different back to school options where it's traditional hybrid and totally digital i was asked to teach one completely digital class um and it's senior english which i've actually only taught like half a semester of so not only is it content i'm not as confident in but it's also just completely online so it's you know zooms every day and it's like it was in the spring but not and so I guess for me, like I said, I'm not quite sure if it's brave or courageous, but it's totally out of my, like, I love having, you know, the kids in my classroom and being able to, you know, minister to them and um, show them that grace that I'm working on sometimes, but to just do group work, which you kind of can't do right now, but just different stuff. And I can't do a lot of that online, but I you know, so absolutely, I'll teach it and I'll figure it out. So for, for me, it involved, it, it has involved stepping out and just realizing that a lot of the things 
that I love to do in class, I have to figure out how to just do it on this different medium. Um, and so it does make me a little nervous, but the more I hear about, or the more I learn about what my school day will look like, sometimes I'm really glad I chose that digital class because I think it will give some consistency, which I need a little bit of that. Yeah. So it sounds like that'll be a, a little bit of a learning curve, but you're excited about that challenge too. Yes. Okay, Val. Well, I'm just thinking, um, brave or courageous. Okay, so in September, we've got a group that we're starting, um, Jennifer and I are starting, where we're going to go through the book um, and basically work through chapter by chapter and go much deeper into like the thought patterns behind um, the choices we make and things like that. So we're going to do that. And we're really working towards, like I said, building this kind of tribe of women that are also into personal growth and want to move forward. Um, and then I'm also working towards uh, putting together, teaching the essential emotions course, Kathy, you've been through it um, and doing that. And so that's kind of one of those things where teaching it on my own, I haven't done yet. I've done it with um, people, but not on my own. So I'm going to be stepping out and doing that probably by myself. So it's always, you know, it's such fun information. I can't wait to share it, but it's always weird or not weird, but you know, it's when you're starting it on your own path, it's, it's a process. So this is so funny. So both of you have talked about new experiences that you're definitely ready for that challenge. I bet most people think type eights are like, oh, that looks easy for them. It's not going to, you know, that that's not going to bother them one bit to do something new. That is so interesting that you both kind of feel like that is a courageous step for you when the outside looking in probably thinks that's nothing to you. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and that's what I do feel like one of my strengths has always been faking it till I make it. <laughs> no, it's like, you're not going to know this is hard for me, but, um, but it is, I mean, you know, it takes courage to do anything new and try new things. And it's true for everybody. We just, we just cover it up the most. <laughs> yes. Probably. Yeah. And so everybody needs to go and buy designed for joy on Amazon by Val Petty. I have read the first two chapters and no spoilers, but I did do a, bl a blog about it. Yeah. If you go to nephishlife.com, you can see the blog about the first chapter. But. <laughs> I love that you did that. It, the, she shared her word picture and that's one of my favorite things is hearing people's word pictures. It's so fun. Yes. Samantha, you have got to do that. You will love that. I can just tell. <laughs> I will. I wrote it down. I really talked about it. Well, ladies, thank you so much. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time to kind of get inside your brains a little bit and be a little bit vulnerable with us. Um, so if you're listening, again, go buy Val's book on Amazon, Designed for Joy. It's the one with the really pretty tree on the cover. And we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with a friend who identifies as an eight. Or if you are an eight and you feel like this resonated with you, maybe you can share it with your people uh, to kind of help them understand you a little bit better. And we'd love to hear what you think about the show. So reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook and go be brave rageous today. There's a